Hey, everybody. Welcome to Draft Politics. It's time for our uh, local and state segment. As always, I'm here with my good friend. It's EJ. Thanks today. And we've got a special guest, which is really cool. So usually it's just the two of us. But today we have a friend of Steve's, Chris, who is coming to us from Michigan, uh, very close to where I grew up. So welcome, Chris. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. And it's, it's great to have a different perspective on especially local politics. Uh, Michigan and Illinois have you know, sort of different environments in which, they, uh, in which they work. So I think as we talk through our local and state stuff today, we'll get some good perspective from yeah. somebody who's in a yeah. It's fascinating to watch places like New York and Chicago where the teachers are actually allowed to go on strike, which in Michigan is yeah. against the law. And that's kind of where I want to start it. Like, you know, I was thinking about, like, as I was thinking about inviting you to come on, like, what would we even talk about during our local segment? You know, you're not, you're not a local. But, um, you know, that overlap of public schools, and obviously we're in the midst of the, the CTU strike right now, and, you know, I know that's obviously a big thing that's yeah. played oh, out yeah. in Michigan. It's and making news everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we don't, we don't, we're not allowed, to, our teachers are not allowed to go on strike by state law. Um, they uh, occasionally the Republicans decide it's important to make it more illegal to do that, so they'll pass a law to make it. Like they, the last time they did this, they actually started imposing fines on the union itself uh, rather than you know taking right. action against the teachers. Um, so what they have in Michigan is sick outs basically, um, and we have had that happen. But um, yeah, Michigan is education in Michigan is a shambles. Uh, a lot of that comes from people like Betsy DeVos and our former uh, Republican governor, Rick Snyder, and his cadre of corporatist uh, legislators, Republican legislators, who basically spend their entire time, you know, for the last two decades demonizing teachers and then wondering why nobody wants to go into teaching and, uh, and, and you know, why our schools yep. aren't doing well. Well, it almost sounds like it's worse than, like, like West Virginia and some of those other places that we've seen, you know, like kind of a wildcat strike going in because... They didn't really have that structure of like saying, "Oh, we're going to target the unions" or anything like that. Like this is actually like a degree of beyond that. Yeah, of, it really know. is. Yeah. And um, it, my father-in-law taught high school math in Michigan for thirty years, and you know, hearing what he went through and all of the changes, you know, and, and in the end, they were actively trying to you know hire people at very low cost and keep them out of the union. And there's a real teacher shortage yeah. in Michigan. Yeah, that's happening right now. And there's a lot yeah. of schools, uh, especially in rural areas, actually, that are functioning with, you know, part-time substitute teachers who are not accredited. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. that's a big deal. And, yeah. and another thing that I really found interesting is that, you know, so, and it's important to note for people who are listening, Michigan has been a Republican supermajority in the legislature. And please yep. correct me if I'm, nope, I'm wrong right. on any of these things. And it's uh, a supermajority in the Senate and a majority in the state Okay, House. right on. And up until the last elections when uh, Gretchen Whitmer was elected as governor, there was a re Republican governor and, and sort of all the executive side was, yep. was so the, the entire executive well. branch is now women, except for our lieutenant governor, and they're all Democrats. And then the state legislature is still dominated by the Republicans. Yeah, and it's, you know, politically a very interesting state and you've got extremes on both sides yeah. uh, as I guess you do across the country but but I have friends and I grew up in Michigan I went to school in Michigan and I have friends who were teachers who lost their jobs because of the policies of you know that Betsy DeVos and her family and group pushed 
who were still Trump voters. Yeah. Which right. blew it is, me away. It, it is still pretty astonishing. Away. It really is. And it, you know, they, it, a lot of the times that comes down to their single issue voters on things like, um, you know, w- women's reproductive freedom, for example, like, or, you know, their, their strong desire to have Republican or conservative judicial appointments. Yeah. It literally comes down to that. And they're willing to cut their own throats just to have, you know, people like that in place. Yeah. And you look at an area like Grand Rapids, where Betsy DeVos is from. Oh, you bet. Um, she's attached to the whole Amway money. It's where the uh, giant pyramid of the pyramid scheme exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Nice. It's also, I would say, kind of a pyramid. I mean, you there's bet. a lot of great beer. <laughs> Absolutely right. Grand Rapids. Is there. Yep. It really is hard for me to, like, I would like to go and have beer, but I don't somehow feel like I'd be giving the right. DeVos family money, Grand and Rapids I don't want to give them any money. It's a great place. They have great breweries. They have great artwork, actually. The, yeah. There's so much money there that there's a lot of benefit, art benefactors there. And they have the uh, what's called Art Prize every year, and they give away millions of dollars to artists and stuff, and it's all sort of... You know, juried voting and also citizen, or, um, you know, people's choice type stuff. So, and and Justin Amash, the now independent yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, representative, is from that area as yes, well. Yes, he like is. That's right. Grand Rapids, uh, Zeeland, Holland, that yep, kind that of. Yeah, the whole West Side is yeah. very much Dutch Reform, uh, yeah. conservative, you know, Christian type, you know, Dutch, Dutch Reform. Yep. Yeah, so Dutch Republican. So they split <laughs> everything with you, right? <laughs> you bet. But so, yeah, yeah, a lot of money is, or a lot of effort has been spent by the DeVos family to promote uh, privatizing schools. They really want more than anything else vouchers so that people can take their their you know tax dollars and, and go to Christian right. schools. They see you know their their holy grail, literally in their case, is to have most schools teaching from a you know a Christian perspective. And they've tried, I think, three times in the last four or five decades to turn Michigan into a voucher state, and the the you know, the voters have turned it down every time because it would require a constitutional amendment. Yep. And yet they still try to do it every single time. Stay strong, Michigan. Yes, we're working on it. But we, so, have, we do apologize for Betsy DeVos. Speaking uh, yeah. of staying strong, <laughs> CTU. So, yes, yes. Uh, last week we had said we know there's going to be a strike. We're sure it's going to happen. Uh, yes. It happened last Thursday. Yes, we both prognosticated that there would be a two-day strike. We'd have the weekend. They'd get it all figured out. Kids would be back to school today, Monday. How did that work out for us, EJ? I had a good day with my kids today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I realized in asking that question, I said, how did it work out for us? Well, I wasn't having to stay home with kids. So, <laughs> uh, No, it was uh, my kids were home again today. Uh, we went out, though, and, and talked to the teachers on the picket line outside of the high school uh, that's right next to our house. Uh, you know, they're... Teachers are in good spirits. They're still feeling yeah pretty good about things. I really loved like just walking onto the corner. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a Ravenswood Elementary is not far from where I live, but right. walk down there, saw the teachers there. You know, people honking their horns as they're going by. Today, they were like clearly trying to have a meeting. And people were still honking their horns and they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, like, we're trying to pay attention. Here. Like a quarterback trying to get the crowd right. to calm down. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. On. We're strategizing the umbrellas yeah. today. But you uh, know, so nice, you know, nice. obviously we're very early in the strike, but overall it seems like they're they're doing pretty well so far. Yeah, so. the spirits are good. So there were a lot of negotiations over the weekend. So so. Uh, the strike will at least be four days. We know that. Um, so we had two days last week. It'll be at least two days this week. Some negotiations over the weekend. War of Wards stuff as has been going on. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was CTU coming out and saying, hey, stop going to 
rallies and just stay and negotiate. Uh, and CTU's like, no, we get to, our leadership should be at those rallies. You know? Yeah. yeah. So um, a little bit of that. Um, CTU has asked uh, Jesse Jackson, not Jesse Jackson Jr., Jesse Jackson to come in. The wow. Jesse Jackson. Yeah, the Jesse Jackson uh, to come in and act as a mediator. And there's precedent for that in labor negotiations in Chicago in the past and kind of across the country. Uh, so, Well, it does bring up the interesting question of, like, how close are they to an agreement if they're like, let's bring in a new person yeah, right, to right. arbitrate this? I, you know, it seemed like uh, at the end of the weekend it was some things around class sizes were still a big sticking point and hard caps versus soft caps. And, you know, uh, well, it also seemed like uh, around the nurses, like it seemed like, like, and it was interesting, like there was like different language they were using around the nurses. Like there was like, like Lightfoot was saying, promising a nurse in every school within five years. Okay. And the CTO pushing back saying, we want a nurse in every school every day. And so it seemed like maybe there was like some nuance of like, well, I'm saying have a nurse in every school, but not necessarily every day. And we're saying every school every day and now versus five yeah. years. And and that's a big sticking point. Like, And that was something I didn't realize. And I don't know how it, in Michigan, like, how it works. But, like, and I guess most of this happened, you know, 10 years ago or so when they, like, pulled back on the number of nurses in the schools. I, 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 so I've had kids in Chicago public schools my elder elder child is a sixth grader. Okay. Um, and they had a nurse in the school every day up until three years ago. Okay. And now it's twice a week. I mean, it's a pretty it's, steep drop off. It is a steep drop off, yeah. and and you know it's not as simple as that because you've got. I, we're on. We're in a school that shares a building with another school, and it's on a campus with a, a third school that's much bigger. And there's a Heartland Healthcare that's in that other school. And so I'm sure somewhere back there, there is some definition of what is a nurse, that what is on precedence, right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know. Because you know, if my child really needs some kind of semi-emergent medical care, there is something that's close. Um, well, the thing I always think about is, you know, the kids who have a chronic health condition, who have yeah. diabetes or have right. asthma, asthma yeah. need to do breathing treatments and all that sort of stuff. Like, how, what are they doing in those schools? And I suspect, you know, on the north side, there's probably some, some amount of support where most of the time there's a nurse there. But, you know, in, in the south side and other uh, places, like, maybe not as much. I don't think that nurse, social worker, yeah, psychologist stuff is as north side, south side, west side as other things. Okay. I think there is some of that. I, I'm, I'm sure that there is some of that. Yeah. Um, because of some of how the rest of the budgets work. But I think generally it's, it's a problem across the board. And, uh, you know, I, I am hoping that CTU is really pushing for the stuff on the west side and the south side. Because, look, the schools on the north side hold fundraisers. And yeah, those they can make up for a lot of shortfalls. I, I, I will say that my kid's school has funded a teacher through the fundraisers. Which is insane. It, yeah, is it really insane. is. It's How is the, that they how have is the community support for the teachers that are striking yeah. right now? Yeah. 
It's good still. It's good. It's um, good. You know, I think what I'm seeing is that there is a lot of support for the teachers. There is reasonable to good support for the union. And, you know, there is a certain amount. They make the distinction. That's interesting. There is a distinction. <laughs> yeah, there's People definitely much more of a sense of a political thing with right. the right. CTU versus yeah. the teachers. So. I, and, I, and I said this, and I'll, I'll say it again for disclosure on the podcast for the, you know, fives of people who are listening and also for you like the the ctu is a political entity so and they they donate money to campaigns sure yes. in the municipal election so yeah. they donated over three hundred thousand dollars to the mayor's race and they lost and they lost their it. their candidate lost by a million points yeah. I, I mean it was yeah. it was they the biggest crushed. blowout yeah. was, in the history was, of yeah. blowouts it was unbelievable but they also donated a lot to the aldermanic races um, and I, there were a couple of those races that were very close to me, and, and so I, I didn't feel like their process was very well thought out. <laughs> um, so, you know, they want to act like a political entity, and I think that that's... I, I am okay with... I am absolutely okay with unions acting as political entities because... Because they're political entities. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, but yeah. I think there are a lot of people who distrust that. And especially on the north side, and you saw that, you know, in the negotiations, there were things being brought up that are citywide political issues. And like they were talking about, like, rent control and things like that. Right. Like they're, they're definitely trying to broaden what they're talking about and what they're representing beyond what's happening in an individual yeah. school. And, you know, and that's been one of the things that's gone back and forth in, in the contracts is, uh, Lightfoot basically saying, well, we can only talk about, you know, wages and benefits and things yeah. like that. And the CTU being like, no, we're going to talk about nurses and we're going to talk about care work, you know, sort of yeah. social workers and, and all these other things that are yeah. part of the school. And, and, and it ends up being part of the teacher's work environment, but it, it helps socialize that beyond the teachers to say, okay, well, here are people in the yeah. community will benefit from us being on yes. strike. And, and, and by state law, the teachers can only strike for pay and benefits for the teacher. You know, so like, like so, so they're when not they, allowed to get out of their lane in that regard, right? So when they bring up like theoretically, theoretically, theoretically. I mean, it's nice, all but they do anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's it, there is a tough balance here, and you know, I can I can see both sides of the argument, and I I struggle with it myself. You know, again, I I want the best things for the teachers and for the kids. I also really want the best things for kids that are outside the kids that I see every day. Yeah. Because the kids that I see every day are going to be fine. Yeah. Right? Like, they're, yeah. they're going to be fine. We don't have a counselor at school. The parents are going to find a counselor for their kids if they need it. They have the support. You know, yeah. That's not. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Because, like, one of the big contentious issues in Michigan negotiations is often how kids with special needs are, you know, and I, that's a term that I'm not real big on, but it's for lack of a better term. They have what are called individual education plans, IEPs. Right. And once a kid is established as, as needing an IEP, that there's a process for doing that. They sit down with a counselor and with a you know administrator and the parents, yeah. teachers, Case and worker. figure it out. Right. And then that's followed. And it's, if it's not followed, that's basically in violation yeah. of the law. Of a federal you, law. Yeah. Of the Americans with Disabilities right. Act. Right. So are you guys contending with those kind of things in these negotiations as uh, well? There is, I would say, not enough discussion of that. Uh, because that is something that I think we, everybody struggles with. And again, going back to in Michigan, uh, my 
elder sister is a special education teacher in a, in a school system outside of Flint. Wow, so yeah. she sees that firsthand, and I understand the, the 504 plan. So 504 plan right. is one step before the IEP, uh, and that's 504 named after the 504, which is the, the Americans with Disabilities yeah. Act. So um, this is all sort of federally mandated, and it requires funds, and you have to do this tracking, and you have to do all yep. these things. And it is both, I think, very important and also a burden on the schools. And, uh, Chicago and on the Public teachers, schools. and that, that kind of ties yeah. into the, is this, you know, benefits and salary? No, but if you're asking me to do more things, yeah. it sort of becomes part of the, you know, what, do you, what am I being paid to do and yeah. what am I being asked to do Absolutely. for the pay I get? And, and so you could take a situation where, and hopefully this is educational for people as well, so you understand what, what's happening, but, you know, you could take a situation where there is a meeting where people agree at a school on what the plan is for a child. And the school has to figure out, and the school district has to figure out how to deal with that plan. Yes. And that could mean that a child gets a full-time aid in the school yeah. all the time with to help them. them. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, you have the, how do you support the parents? So it's, it is clear through the data that Northside schools have more kids with IEPs, and those IEPs are more, I would say, fuller developed um, than schools where maybe the parents don't speak English as a primary language. Right, sure. Because those, those they just don't have the same ability to advocate for it. Right. And then the schools themselves are better able to deal with it. So, you know, how do you, and how do you pay for AIDS? And those AIDS get paid at a different level yeah. than everybody else. It yeah. is, it, it's, it's, it's very, very complicated. complicated. Yeah. It's very thorny. You know, both sides of the argument want to break it down into sort of, you know, I feel like CT or the the I'm sorry the district and Lori Lightfoot are trying to break it down to very simply this is how much money we have we got to work within our our means um, and I guess it should be noted that Lori's child goes to a private school huh. um, interesting and, and I don't I don't begrudge anybody for going to a private school uh, but yeah. they she does go to a private school um, yeah and I think it's important to note that like a lot of this is going to come down to political leverage. <clears throat> we know that there's a lot on the table in terms of future revenue that we just don't know about right, right now. And so it's like, we know that marijuana has been legalized and so there will be revenue from that. We know that the uh, fair tax is on the board. And so this, this is our attempt to have a progressive income tax right. in yep. Illinois. Um, so if that gets passed by uh, the voters, then that will come into play. Presumably that could even set up the notion of a Chicago uh, income tax at some point because then it could do it progressively. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. So how we pay for the, all of this is still a little up in the air. And so there's talk of a three-year contract versus a five-year contract. Um, Which is all about when the next mayoral Right. It's is. about who right. has the leverage in that yep. next negotiation. Yep. 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 If they do a three-year contract, CTU has the leverage. I did listen to your leverage. last uh, podcast on this. Okay. Part, right? Well, there you go. You've been briefed. <laughs> I have, yes. Okay. And so, yeah. So then if it goes to a five-year, then then Lifewood has the leverage. And so, and, and I feel like in a lot of this conversation, like, Lightfoot doesn't, I don't know what her leverage is at this point. Like, obviously, she's got four years as a mayor to, like, figure this all 78% out. 78% like, of Chicago voters voted for her. She has a mandate. That is true. But who, what is her base of support, though? Because I feel like the, a lot of the people who are Lightfoot supporters are also CTU supporters. I, or, or to your nuance, supporters. are they teacher supporters or CTU supporters? And so as long as the CTU... 
is seen as representing teachers and it's part of yeah. what the teachers want, I feel like they're probably fine. It's if it seems like they're being needlessly political, then it gets a little bit. Uh, well, iffy. I think you know CTU rolling out a big inflatable rat to protests. They borrowed that from Michigan, I'm guessing. I feel like it was invented here in <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> we, maybe we borrowed I, it from you know, there's like a whole, anywhere. That makes sense. I feel like there's a whole thing about that. <laughs> but I think that I think that what will people will remember is the rhetoric. They will remember that sort of thing. So um, get your case idea. I know. They will remember that that sort of thing. In the next set of elections, and people, <laughs> I guarantee, will bring up CTU's uh, involvement in things like this going forward. So that's the strike. <laughs> um, we know that uh, Democratic, so Bernie's already been out, um, and it was announced today that uh, Elizabeth Warren will be in Chicago on the picket lines nice. uh, with the teachers tomorrow. That's good. Yeah. And Overlap of her history as a teacher. Sure. Little labor yeah. support. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Midwest. I don't think she's... I No, she was in the Midwest once. Uh, there were... Uh, she did a selfie line into O'Hare for six or seven hours. Right, right. Uh, between flights. But I, I think... Uh, I saw a CTU tweet today that said that she's going to be here tomorrow. All right. They came over from the UAW strikes and... Um yeah, all the plants in Michigan, which I think are places. there. There's a tentative agreement. There, tentative right? agreement. But they're going to stay on strike until uh, until that's signed. So until the members pass it. So yeah, probably another week. And that's something. that's a whole other discussion that yeah we don't have time to get into here. But I would like to. But at some point, maybe uh, just over beer. I, I want to take a pause real quick because uh, we talked about Scabby the Rat, and I want to make sure that we accurately source where Scabby the Rat comes from. Uh, it is from the. Where did I find that again? The International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150, which uh, 150. is based out of Illinois. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so we borrowed it from you guys. Scabby the oh, Rat. Good. As soon as you said 150, I knew who it was. Stay uncorrected. Yeah. All right. Yes. Well, thanks, but guys. Apparently, it only goes back to the 90s. I figured that would have gone back further than that. But uh, well, it, it spent some time on the uh, Capitol uh, lawn uh, in Michigan. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. the red teachers wearing T-shirts who are all sick that day, quote, unquote. Yes. <laughs> Scabby the Rat. Love that guy. Uh, so more broadly in Illinois, and, and we can't discount this. I, again, for me, my personal world is sort of all consumed with the teacher strike right now. But more broadly in Illinois, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, some of the investigations that have been going on. Uh, one of our state senators had his offices raided. Um, we knew that ComEd slash Exelon had had some subpoenas against them. Uh, and we learned in this last week that there were subpoenas executed against the City Club of Chicago. So the City Club of Chicago is a public affairs group. So it's one of those things, you know, it's kind of this organization where if you're a mover and or a shaker in the, uh, not a Quaker or a shaker in the religious nice. sense. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Slightly different. Yes. Uh, in, the, in the political sense, you've got to know the people at, at, the City Club of Chicago, and they have speakers all the time. People come there and speak. So it was really interesting to see and to find out that the FBI had subpoenaed their records a couple of months ago and left their offices in downtown Chicago with boxes of records. <coughs> and the really interesting thing 
was that Michael Madigan was named in those subpoenas. And they were looking for correspondence between the City Club of Chicago yeah. and Michael Madigan. Now, Brutal. one of the things that's interesting about this is, like, you know, there's obviously a sense of, like, all, all corruption may finally come back to Madigan at some point. But at the same time, he's been such a player in Illinois politics for so long that, like, nearly every email that involves right. some sort of government he's operation, on <laughs> he's BCC'd on it, if not CC'd on it. So yeah, it's yeah. hard to know whether that means anything or not. So, Well, it, it looks like the whole investigation is about patronage jobs at ComEd Exelon. Right. So people saying like, yeah, you should hire this guy over here and pay him X number of dollars to do essentially zero. Nice. Yeah, right? And How do you get uh, those jobs? I, know. <laughs> I, and I would like one of those jobs. Just up to Trump is what I gather. But. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> but there were some interesting connections. So Michael Madigan's son-in-law has a consulting firm, and they've got like two clients, and one of them is ComEd Exelon. You know, so there were some some connections, right? We're all thinking, what's going on here? And but I agree with you. Like, uh, it, we know that Michael Madigan runs the Democratic Party in right. the state, and so if you're investigating corruption, you got to toss his name in there. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, he can't be both the con- controlling everything and an idiot. Right. Right. right? <laughs> I mean, he's very. Go- he's also very good at segregating himself. Yeah, and that's things. the thing that's going to be interesting to see is like, you know, how well has he protected himself from whatever this is? I mean, I mean, ultimately, none of this may come back to him. It may come back to him, but has been blocked by him having some in- oh, yeah. intermediary layer that protects him. But I, typically, I always, people like that are pretty good at that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Call me well, later. Well, it's interesting. You know, and that's the thing is like, you look at him, you look at somebody like Blagojevich. And right. Blagojevich, like, he had swum in the sea of corruption for so long that he didn't realize when he was crossing a line. Right, right. You know, it was like when it, when it was golden became f***ing golden. It's like suddenly it's all it's all right. out there and it's a mess. And, and so Madigan has been there for a while, but he's been there for so long and such a key part of it that it, he has that experience with it and knows kind of right. how to navigate the swamp, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, I, I mean, there's not going to be... There's not going to be an email from Mike Madigan say like hire these guys I'll get you these contracts right. and we'll raise the Definitely rates. Definitely that's not going to be it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but what you could see is communications between lobbyists and Exelon lobbyists and somebody else saying Madigan wants us to, to do this. Talk to yeah. the M and M. He said right. you know he'll push this legislation that will allow for the increase in rates if you know initials 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 yep, get yep. this thing. Yeah. Yep. Or it will be that guy who works for Madigan was pushing for this, and Madigan yeah. will be like, oh, I don't know that guy. And the guy who works for Madigan will be like, whoa. Yeah. And, you know. I've never seen that guy before in my life, right? <laughs> I know he worked for me, but I just didn't really I, look I at him. He's kind of unattractive, to, to be honest. That was kind of so. my, my goal was to not talk to anybody. Yes. He's, he's <laughs> built some good firewalls. Yes. So, I, you know, I think we need to keep paying attention to that. That's a It's an interesting situation that will continue to get more interesting. Yeah. yeah. And... They always get everybody's attention. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's, it's another one of those places where I'm like, ooh, this Justice Department is, you know, controlled by Bill Barr. But like, ooh, but, uh, but, it's, uh, but Madigan kind of sucks. And like, I don't know how to feel about this. I don't know this. how to feel, right. <laughs> and that's why we have beer. That's right. Fair point. Beer. For when you don't know how to fear about this. <laughs> I said fear about this. Yes, I know. That was a Freudian Cheers slip. to your fear, sir. When you don't know how to feel about this, beer, it gets you through the feel fears. 
Sure. We'll Why workshop not? and get back to you, folks. <laughs> he's he's had a long week, everybody. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> so we all have had. A little punchy. A little punchy. You know, and actually, as we're talking about, like, Illinois corruption and all of this sort of stuff, I know, like, obviously one of the big things in Michigan that I know you're, you've been invested in a lot is a lot of what's been going around Flint, Michigan, and yes. all of that sort of stuff. Yes. How, how, has, how have things progressed from there? Like, is there any sort of, like, legal actions that have happened and kind of bubbled up? Or well, um, basically, when we brought in the new uh, female overlords to run the state of yes. Michigan, which... Uh, overladies. Yeah, the overladies, yes, thank you. Over mistresses, I don't know how that goes. That's another. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh yeah, different genre. Um, so Dana Nessel, um, uh, there was a guy named Todd Flood who was the chief investigator under the Snyder administration. That's the former Republican governor, um, and Bill Schuette, who um, oh, Bill was Schuette. defeated uh, by uh, by Gretchen Whitmer when he ran. He was our a former attorney general, and now he ran for uh, governor and, and was defeated soundly, by the way, by uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Um, spanked, that was yes, yeah, spanked say. is the appropriate word. Speaking of overmistresses, <laughs> um, anyway, that was the tie. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so um, Dana Nessel, who came in, and by the way, the best the best shout and of the whole whole election was the fact that uh, Bill Schuette, who was our AG, was a virulent anti-LGBT uh, bigot <laughs> and was defeated by an openly lesbian woman Democrat. So it was really awesome. But she's been a fierce advocate for Flint. Uh, fired Todd Flood and has now restarted all of the investigations because they were tainted. And there's there's probably some big news coming out of Flint in the next yeah. month or two. I've been talking to an nice. independent journalist who's been doing some digging on that. Um, so right now, what they they've basically had to restart the the investigation, which is unfortunate in terms of the whole justice delayed is justice denied part of it. But if justice wasn't going to be served by the existing yeah. legislation or investigation, then you know, that was going to be justice, justice delayed denied. is better than none. No justice at all, yeah, precisely. Yeah. So um, there's that. Um, Mayor Karen Weaver is uh, in. Uh, she, you know, she's basically took over after the former mayor, a white guy, uh, Dane Walling. Uh, she beat him um, basically because he was one of the people raising glasses of water, saying everything's fine, because he was led to believe this by the people that were running the show. Because remember, when this all happened, Mich the, the city of Flint was under an emergency manager who was a, right. an appointed dictator, basically. Uh, um, so the emergency manager law in Michigan gave, essentially said for certain municipalities that had a financial condition, essentially there are no laws anymore. You can cancel contracts. You can do yep. whatever it, exactly. it takes. I mean, there are laws, but they all of the decisions related to uh, fiscal matters and education matters. If if it was a because it, it could happen to a municipality or to a school district, a single appointed person was you know taking over for and displaced the locally elected people. And when Detroit became an, under an emergency manager, over half of the literally over half of the African Americans in Michigan were under unelected. Yeah, you know, they, their their elected officials were no longer in charge. Anyway. Yeah. All the decisions that got made that led to the Flint water crisis were under an emergency manager. So, um, and mostly about where they get the water from. Yes. So there was a right now, and at that time they were buying their water from Detroit, the Detroit Water and Sewerage Department. They were literally piping water up from Detroit through a giant pipeline. Um, the local people wanted to have more control, so they decided they were going to build their own system that would bring in water from Lake Huron due east instead of bringing it up from the south um 
while they were waiting for that, the emergency manager decided that they were going to start getting their water from the Flint River, which runs through the middle of town. Yeah. Um, they re they took their their water treatment plant that had been under mothballs, brought it back up to you know, I'm Spun using air quotes which you can't see. Yeah. Uh, brought it back up to speed. Um, decided not to use the phosphate treatments that are used for corrosion control, um, and the Flint water. Chem- Flint River water chemistry is different than the, the Great Lakes here on River Water. Um, because they didn't use the phosphates, which was in the water they were buying from Detroit, uh, the water began to slowly corrode away the protective phosphate layer that was on all of these lead lines, yeah. and that's what leached lead into the water of Flint. And so you're a chemist by trade, I am a trade, chemist, right? a water yeah, chemist, so. formerly. So, yes, yeah, so I, this is all very interesting to me, and very I, I totally un- understand it. So right now they're, in the, they're, very, they're at the end uh, end of replacing all of the lead lines in Flint. Um, what you have to understand about Flint is that as you drive through certain neighborhoods of Flint, you can go five blocks and there will be 10% of the homes that are inhabited. Yeah. Literally 90% of the homes are either burned out or boarded up and abandoned. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it is, until you've seen it with your own eyes, it's very difficult to get your mind around how, uh, how much of a crater was created when GM and all these other industrial concerns that were there in Flint and that made Flint once upon a time a really lucrative, you know, a really uh, vibrant community is now sort of left behind. So um, these are people that are already struggling and there's a large uh, undocumented uh, group, you know, population there. Those people, when the cops knocked on their doors and the National Guard knocked on their doors with cases of water, wouldn't answer the door because, you know, they didn't want to risk that stuff. So there's, there's a whole lot of issues going on. They're coming back, but there are still yeah. things going on in Flint that you know yeah. that well, need to be resolved. But slowly but surely, they are replacing these lead lines, and Mayor Mayor Weaver is now uh, facing a primary challenger. We'll see where that goes. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting to see in both states how like we both have corruption problems. I mean, fundamentally, that's what this all boils down to. But it's yep. like it's interesting, like the different shape that it takes, and like yep. here, I think it's a lot of like you know, there's all this sort of traditional machine cloud yeah. and money through the government less whatever of that, that. You and do. yours is all about let's clear out all this like government stuff so yeah. that we can you know have our private corporations with low taxes it's more of a corporatist takeover versus the internal well, that's term yeah. limits yeah. yeah yeah it is you're right absolutely right uh, so yeah so yeah. you know i realized that at this point in the program we never talked about the beer and where we're at. I know. I was and trying to bring the fine music the they've there been playing, can I just I know, say? It's very good. <laughs> that, uh, I want to just say one more thing uh, about lead and water. Um, I've been trying to get accurate lead results for my house for 14 months, and we just got them back uh, this last week. Uh, so This lead issue is it's huge. As much as Flint was the poster yeah. child for it, it is a national problem. Yeah. So it is a national Chicago, problem. Pittsburgh kind of tried to address it. Newark, New Jersey. Washington, D.C. had a huge problem. Washington, D.C. You, any, any municipality is literally one chemistry upset in terms of the water yeah. chemistry away from the phosphate linings that are encasing the yeah. lead yeah. and protecting the water from it. Well, so that it's, so yeah, it's a deal. It's a deal. Uh, it's well, a problem. Here in Chicago, so I've got some elevated levels in the three-minute draw. So that means that water's sitting in my pipes in the service line. So in Chicago, the service line, so that means from the street to your house, um, they were mandated, mandated 
to be by ordinance to be led until like no kidding oh yeah, yeah. until the federal government outline the untold out- story outline. in Flint is that this water that was so corrosive that that ate off this phosphate lining off the lead lines was also incredibly corrosive to the bare metal underneath it if it was steel or galvanized uh, lines and so people's water lines inside their houses their dishwashers their washing yeah. machines their hot water heaters were all destroyed by this water because they didn't spend $150 a day to put tripolyphosphate into the water. Right. Yeah. And these people will never be compensated for that. No. And yeah. these are people that have already been kicked in the teeth by, yeah. you know, globalization and stuff. Absolutely. So. And it all falls around, you know, the same kind of financial fault lines that we see everywhere else. I mean, it's like here it's like, you know, if you've got lead going to your home, if you have means, you can set up filtration, you can get it remediated. Um, it, or, you or can maybe replace you just, your service line. You can replace your service line, or maybe you just live in new construction where that's not even an issue. Whereas uh, well, yeah, the new construction, the service lines are all the same. Nobody's replacing really? service lines. Okay, well, never mind no. then. then and you're that's, still screwed. That's just something, yes. something that I've <laughs> really... So this is something the city sent out... Remind so, me to uh, test my lines. Yeah, yes, I don't <laughs> think about it, are you? <laughs> yeah, so the city... Uh, and this is interesting. This is one of those good-bad kind of things. So our first test that we did ourselves showed elevated numbers. And they were elevated enough that the city sent people out to do a second test. And the city sent out an electrician, a plumber, and a water quality person. So the electrician was sent out to make sure everything was grounded right. Because if your lines aren't grounded right, you can, the, uh, and you can probably speak better to this than I can, but, you know, an electrical charge to your line can cause corrosion. Right, galvanic corrosion, exactly right. So that's one thing. That was fine. Uh, The plumber... To be honest, I'm not sure it is. I think he was just saying, like, that's lead. Uh, <laughs> but we live in a newer house, so it's a little simpler, right? And then there was another person to do the testing. And the person who did the testing, although it took almost 10 weeks after they did the testing, actually called us. Uh, brutal. And said, hey, here's what my testing results showed. You know, And they were, again, elevated in certain draws, which meant that water sitting in the... the the line yeah. between our house and the main was, you know, picking up some lead. And so essentially, if we flush the water for a few minutes in the morning, it's going to be fine. Now, that's us. He, he said a mile east of us in homes that cost over a million dollars, the results were much, 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 much worse. Really? Yeah. And, then, and he was just talking about, like, you wouldn't believe the places, huh. you know, where they've replaced a main and they've oh, cut yeah. this cut part of the lead service line and where they've cut and kind of half fixed it, it's terrible. Yeah, and that's um, one of the things that also factors in this. We've been doing a lot of replacing of water mains throughout the city, yeah. and you'll see constant construction, and every time they do that it is disturbing all of this and yeah. actually oh, yeah. introducing yeah, yeah. Thing, more lead sure. in homes yeah. than they would otherwise have. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the recently, in the last month or so, Birmingham, Michigan, uh, found some lead in the schools. Yeah. They've obviously instituted a lot more testing now, yeah. particularly in schools. And Birmingham is a pretty affluent area. Super it's, affluent. It's a Precise, northern suburb exactly. of Exactly. And the response was instantaneous, you like, know, <laughs> unlike with boom. Flint. <laughs> right. So, you know. It, yeah. So, there are no yeah. burned out houses in Birmingham. There are no burned out houses in, in, in Birmingham, at least not for more than a day or so. <laughs> so, so we've talked water and lead and chemistry, beer. Also chemistry. I believe all of us have done home brewing to one extent or another. I have definitely done home brewing. So, uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. So there you go. But uh, I have not the patience. 
Do you pay attention to your no, water space. chemistry with your beer? Do you test it or no? No. I don't I've either. just been told that like Chicago's water is really good for beer, and I just accept that to be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we tend not to we tend to use cold water because we don't want it to go through our water heater. We don't want it to sit in the water heater for a while, yeah. so we tend to use cold water so that it's uh, not stale water, as You're it were. Right. But yeah. Well, yeah. So, so so I had a conversation with, and this is going to tie some things together. Uh, I said at the beginning of the podcast, lead enhances the flavor of beer. Is that what yeah, you're trying exactly. to tell me? Just, <laughs> a, just a touch of lead. Uh, the good for a Gerza. The original brewers that were in this space, they went through a big process to figure out the water situation. So originally their beer was being brewed in somebody's house, and they got a second water line run just for the beer. And when they moved to this space, they couldn't get the beer to taste the same way. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so then they found that the water lines, the service lines coming in were different, and they had to replace the service lines to get the beer to taste the same. Interesting. Yeah, minor minor changes in water yeah. chemistry can have a huge impact. And there is a uh, a guy. He is a CEO of a dot com, uh, really into brewing. Got a had a system custom built in his house for home brewing, where he could adjust the minerals in his water. Yeah. And of course, yeah. I'm saying I'm saying his because only a guy would do this <laughs> to try to recreate <laughs> the water conditions in like 16th century Bavaria. Perfect. Yes. Nice. <laughs> so nice. That he could have. Well, so the, the yeah. perfect pilsner. Well, so like um, Dovetail actually does basically that. Yeah, it's yeah, like they right like part of their brewery tour is that they will uh, have you come and taste the water from Chicago's taps, and then the water that they actually use in their brewing that they've already treated. Yeah. Um, that's actually the one that's closest to where I Interesting. live. That I suggested, um, but he said was not good enough for you. Nice. Yes. Yeah, so no I, offense, Dovetail. Uh, well, I thought you might want to eat. The best brewer that I know is a, a chemist that I work with, and I work with a probably 25 chemists and there are about five of us that brew it's pretty yeah it's higher than the national average per capita yeah, that's right and this guy he does this he does this he measures sulfate levels and nitrate levels yeah. sulfite levels and adjusts things as needed you know and he makes ridiculously good beers yeah well that's so. one of the things like you can just kind of use whatever's there i mean and that's one thing that's kind of interesting about dovetail even though i'm at i'm even over twisted hippo and feel like we should talk about more what is this what are your so EJ is giving me hand gestures. I don't know what they mean. So. I'm, I'm, you know, the music here at Twisted Hippo has been fantastic today. Yes. Fair point. And it's just been carrying me along. And now we've got Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Okay. Which is a fantastic song. And so everybody who listens to the beginning of that song, if you don't get hooked right at the beginning. Which is ironic because you stopped me now. <laughs> I did stop you now. <laughs> I shouldn't have stopped you now. So. What I are you drinking, EJ? Uh, well. <laughs> Uh, We're way off the rails at this point, people. DJ seems to be very empty glassed over there. I am. But I I, I just had, I'm just a pills. So one of the things I love about this place is how they name the beers. Yes. So Beers and hot sauces, best names of all food products out there. uh, Earlier today we talked about, uh, and I had, and I I think Chris had an Ale Ale Cool J, which is part of their uh, 80s and 90s hip hop uh, naming. I just had I'm Just a Pills. Which is obviously a schoolhouse rock I'm only reference. A and if you <laughs> look very appropriate to our theme, 100%, is, very political. I, it, it almost had to be done. And if you look at their logos for it, it's it's schoolhouse rock. So yep. it's like the I'm well just played, a bill. Well played. He's sitting there, but it's a beer. 
Um, I love it. And there's the Dragon Keeper that you've had. The logo game yes. here is super strong. 100%. Um, the I'm Just a Pills. And look, sometimes you need a lighter beer. You need to, uh, something that's not so punchy in the teeth hops. Um, occasionally, not all the time, not very often. Not cheating on you, <laughs> hops. Uh, and it's, it's really good. And to me, and we've talked about this before, like Dovetail, um, when you, and like uh, Metropolitan, when you can make a good Pilsner or good lager that still tastes good and it's full-bodied, but it's, it's still light and drinkable, and you're just like, yeah, I can have a couple of these. I mean, they, they, they do them all well here. Yeah, yeah for sure. At the, at the hip. Yeah, the LL Cool J was awesome. I'm now drinking uh, their uh, rye stout, which is outstanding. Uh, it's the black umbrella, and uh, I'm a stout guy, and this is a good one. Sweet, but it's very, yeah. very caramely and delicious. And, and that's one of the ones that they have all the time. It's, so this is this is my neighborhood why. brewery. It's really I'm good. here all the time. That the black umbrella is their kind of banner stout. Yeah, it's, it's a fine beer. You can always get it. Get it in Crowler here. Nice. Yeah, and I'm having the wooden nickel, which fascinates me because as I smell it, it smells like brewing beer in a way that I've not experienced with other beers. I don't know what it is like about a big it. Like a like, oatmeal? <laughs> like, it's like, it's something about it that's just like, it's like, th- there's nothing that I find more pleasant than the smell of brewing beer. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'll go to like various tap rooms or whatever yeah. where they're actually brewing on site and you'll just smell that kind of malty smell through the air yeah. and I just love it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like an oak-aged ale. Right? Yes, it's an yeah. oak-aged ale. Really I don't nice. know what ale it is, but it is oak-aged. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's all they tell me. It smells like light Milwaukee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Better than that, I swear. Better than that. So, yeah. Well, I think we're good. I think we're good. I, thanks for joining us so much. You bet. This, really this has been great. Fascinating conversation. Yeah, and, and, I'm very and getting that perspective. The is rest of the country is watching what's happening with the CTU and, uh, and this, uh, this, this, this strike that they're under. So we, we wish them all very well. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Uh, catch Chris on his podcast. Yeah, that's the, the, the GOTMFV show. Uh, if you know what GOTV is. GOTV is. I'm sure you can figure out what yeah. GOTMF what means. is. <laughs> and, uh, of course, our blog site is eclectablog.com. And, so. and can we find you on Stitcher? I'm on Stitcher. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm pretty much everywhere where fine podcasts are given away for free. And can we review and rate you? You can. Review us on Apple and everywhere right. else. So, so thank you very much. So when you go to rate him and review him, as I expect While you will, there. <laughs> please rate us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. Take care, everybody. Just Bye-bye. Having a good time. Having a good time, shooting star leaping through the sky.